Welcome to the Tripod NFL Playoffs Preview Extravaganza. Who's talking right now? It's Winnie. I'm here joined by Nettie from Nettie Given Sunday. First ever time we're doing our preview in vertical video format and we are live on Instagram right now, I believe. Let us know if you can hear us and see us, guys. Please interact with us. Let us know your Super Bowl prediction straight off the bat. Nettie, happy birthday to you for Friday, mate. And thanks for joining me tonight to talk about the playoffs ahead. Pleasure, mate. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else on this first week back of work on a Wednesday than right here. <laughs> yeah. Where else would you rather be? Thank you to everyone who is joining us. And we will put your comments up on the screen. Uh, including if it says Facebook user, it means it's like, keeping your identity private because you might be watching us within the Tripod Facebook group. Shout out to Dobbo saying Steelers all the way. Not so sure about Steelers. Now, we're going to talk plenty of playoffs. Uh, what are we going to do? We're going to look back at the season. We've got a market insight from Tristan to tell us where the action's been. We're going to go team by team, strength, biggest strength, biggest weakness, and like who we want to bet on versus against overall, and then game by game for the six super wildcard playoff matchups, and then overall kind of Super Bowl predictions and uh, overall playoff special predictions because there's plenty of special markets. You can back certain teams or players uh, for the next kind of month of football where they're playing for all the marbles. So, Nettie, rapid fire, I want you to go through who you believe should have won the major awards. So I'll throw each award at you and you give me kind of who you had, maybe a one-liner. MVP. Uh, I will go with CMC. Really? Elaborate yeah. a little bit. Okay, just because I love him, he's my guy. No, it, I think, I think, yeah, it will be Lamar. But it'd be awesome to see a running back getting, considering all the slack that they went through in the off season before this season started. So you believe he really was the most valuable? Like you take Lamar off the Ravens, you take CMC. Like I still feel like um, no, because it'd probably be Trent Williams if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, that's true, and that's part of the thing about. 49ers who is the MVP you got Williams like they were a different team once yeah. Debo Samuel came back obviously you got Kittle and then Purdy was uh like a dollar 40 to win the award before yeah. he kind of uh messed the bed against the Ravens which handed it to Lamar Ravens are a one seed you can't argue too much I'll give it to him and I think Dak is hard pressed I yeah. think he had an awesome season probably finishes second unfortunate for me because I did back him and share it on another pod at $21 and I'll get second place there defensive player of the year who you got um, that's just going to be TJ. You got TJ led the league in uh, sacks third a third time, but and even though I actually have money on him, I think it's Miles Garrett. I think it goes beyond just sacks. I think Garrett is double team more often. I think he's got a higher win rate, and I think the Browns had the best defense uh, all season. And it's even like even things he did on special teams like blocking field goals. I thought he's an absolute weapon, uh, and I'll elaborate a bit more on that when we talk Browns offensive rookie of the year. No surprise, right? Yeah, Puka. <laughs> no, no, I'm obviously a Stroud boy for sure. Stroud boy stand up, but I mean, Pekka Nakua has been unreal as well. Like you can't take that away from everything that he's most done. Most ever didn't have the, by a receiver. Yes, by most receiver. by rookie and most receiving touchdowns as well by rookie as well. Yep, um, and I give you credit because you said you got all your Carolina apparel behind you. You would have liked Stroud. Um, yeah, it would have been nice. Clock. Few months ago, nice. I don't want to bring energy down, so I don't want to talk too much about that. Uh, yeah. Defensive rookie of the year. Um, I played this one? one at the start of the year, and I know Maddie put this one out as well. Will's um, Will Anderson, and the, he he's played it at the same price as I played it at the start of the season. I went, I think it went up to thirteen dollars, and now it's come back down to five and even lower. So yeah, Will Anderson for me. Do you think he deserved it? Yeah, I do. Um, and you can see there's a lot of statistics when he is and isn't on the field. Same as when he was hurt and he was off, their defense sort of struggled a lot more. Um, he hasn't. He's not that sort of same Miles Garrett or um, what do you call it, Von Miller when they came out of college where they were just massive um, and then just absolute freaks of nature. But I actually think he's played really well. I could give it to Kobe Turner who kind of came out of nowhere for the Rams. Rams uh, but Jalen yeah. Carter was the prohibitive favourite for most of the year. But as the Eagles cooled off, it opened the yep. door. Maybe Will Anderson gets it. But that's a contentious one, as is Coach of the Year. Came down to the final week too. Again, Undertaker tipped at 15s. Stefanski is into like a dollar fifteen, And the Undertaker loses. It's his fault because he early crowed it. Uh, yep. Who do you have? I will still say Stefanski deserves it based on having five different starting QBs, uh, O-line injuries, lost Chubb, brutal injury. 
but there's a good case to be made for the Texans head coach too. Yeah, I, me personally, like I, I think it's very hard to knock the first year head coaches. They seem to win this one a lot. D'Amico Ryan's went well and truly over his win total. He went from last place to first place in that division. And yes, not as good division as the AFC North. And Stefanski did have to deal with a lot. Like not discrediting that whatsoever. But my main thing for me is that the best unit of his team. He just had nothing to do with, which was his defense on that one. He still done an amazing job. And, yes, cycling through the quarterbacks and the injuries, like it's offensive line injuries as well. They've just been absolutely hammered. Done a great job. But, um, yeah, I think D'Amico Ryan's is going to be tough to beat in that one. That's that's fair. You could argue Jim Swartz is the uh, yeah. coach of the year in that regard. And then I was going to ask you, ask you offensive player of the year, but if you think McCaffrey deserves MVP, BMC. then you, yeah. you go him. Of course, Tyreek Hill had an incredible season too, but yeah. I also would have gone CMC now. Moment of the season. I don't know where you're going to go with this, but does one moment stand out that was your most memorable or favourite moment? Um, my favourite one. Favourite moment of the season. Yeah, it probably would have been at roughly around um, 7.30, 8 o'clock on Monday when the Carolina Panthers stopped playing and I didn't have to watch them anymore. That was probably my <laughs> favourite part of this whole season. Um, but for me, like there was a player that we bet on, well, I bet on a lot, was Jameer Gibbs. And watch, watching him play... Every week's phenomenal, man. Like, he's just water, he's fluid. And seeing some of these teams come through that way and turn things around is always fun. Like, seeing the Texans, super fun to watch them play week in, week out. Um, Detroit, obviously, the way they can just smash people and pass the ball. Just seeing some of the changing of the guard. Like, you know, we had the Tom Brady's, the Roethlisberger's, all those guys for so many years. And now we've got so many good, young stud quarterbacks coming through. That sort of stuff excites me. Gibbs was kind of what... Atlanta fans were hoping Bijan Robinson could have been this yeah. year. Maybe he would have if he got the ball a bit more often. Uh, yeah. They're going to have to find a new coach, as a few teams are. And I might ask you that kind of stuff, the coaching merry-go-round at the very end, if people are interested, we can really get into the weeds. For me, moment of the year, the, the moment that came to me was one of the most epic games was, uh, I think it was like the late afternoon window when Philly hosted the Bills and that crazy game and it was pouring rain and Philly would, buried and they were down 10 they come back and Elliot hits the 58 yarder that when they get in range on the final play of regulation you know in the rain like what's the odds that kicks going in and it gets to overtime and once again Josh Allen loses in overtime uh this time it's on a Hertz touchdown and at that point Philly was rolling they were navigating the toughest part of their schedule and the Bills were nearly buried you know we pretty much said that it wasn't going to be their year when they couldn't win that game I think a week later, a week or two later, there's that famous play, which is my other kind of moment of the year, where um, Kelsey laterals right to Kadarius yeah. Tony. Looks like the Chiefs are going to come back and beat the Bills. And out of that game, all the conversation was around what a mess the Chiefs are and how the wide receivers are letting Mahomes down. And what we kind of buried the lead, which was that the Bills were revitalized in that game because they didn't lose another game after that overtime loss. Bills come in now as a two seed with a very real chance to win the whole thing. So um, a couple of my most memorable games this year were crazy games involving the Bills. You got any kind of memories of those ones? No, those ones were crackers, man. And I think the fallout as well after with the Kadarius Tony being offside one as well. You just you love that one and hearing all the Chiefs fans just cry crazy after that one. That was pretty memorable and fun to watch the downfall of that. But that's yeah. right. And the argument should it have been a flag and whatnot. And obviously, there's always great debate and discourse. Yeah. And in the playoffs, it'll be it won't be any different, and there'll be a lot of questionable decisions and questionable play calls, and we love it. We're here for it. Now, have a breather, get yourself a beer, mate, everyone. Let's have a listen to Tristan. He's going to come on and join us, and uh, just let us know where the action has been this season and for week one of the playoffs. G'day, everyone. Tristan Merlihandy from Top Sport. We're getting very close to the uh, NFL playoffs where they kick off this week, and we've got a really exciting Super Bowl run where the 49ers are the favourites. They have been for most of the season. They are the $3 favourites with Baltimore there at $4, Buffalo $7.50, Dallas at 8 and Kansas. They've had a very up-and-down season, but you never know what Mahomes can do at $11. Uh, our worst ways, are, by a long way, are the 49ers. We've been laying them through multis and basically at each price point from when they open the season which they opened it at, uh, what price have we got here? They opened it at $10, got out to $12, and then have been you know, firming up most weeks uh, despite that loss they had a couple of weeks ago to Baltimore. The other ordinary results for us are Kansas City, uh, which we laid at 650 and the Philadelphia Eagles at around that $7 mark. So they have both drifted. 
um, and uh, you know a few of the other sides uh, have been well backed. One of the teams that's gone on a little bit of a run lately has been Dallas. They're into eight dollars, and there's been good support for them over the last week or so. Just having a look at the AFC and NFC, the um, Baltimore Ravens are the 220 favourite. They were four or five dollars not that long ago, and the other side, uh, obviously on the NFC side, is to, is the 49ers, where they're a dollar seventy-seven. Our worst way by a significant margin that market's actually Detroit, where we laid them at the start of the year at $11. So they've tightened up a little bit now, um, but they've got to obviously get on a run to, to claim that title. Um, the wildcard matches this weekend, we've, we've got a couple of short price favourites in both Buffalo and Dallas, and then we've got a couple of good games as well. The Detroit Rams game's obviously going to be a good spectacle with uh, Matt Stafford going back to Detroit after all those years. So looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I don't know. I'm, I'm my little tip for the Super Bowl. I think it's it's a very open affair, but I don't mind Buffalo or Dallas. I think both of those are getting on a little bit of a run and uh, might be able to make a charge. But obviously, the two teams at the top of the market are the class outfits at the moment. Good luck um, if you're having a bet over the NFL playoffs, and of course, gamble responsibly. Mate, moment of the season two just has to be nearly every week cashing the two out of three ain't bad with Toppy. And you tell me where the credit's got to go. Obviously, you've got a hand in that every week. Uh, the Undertaker, we had Barney. Did we have Padonis lending a hand with um, some of these? Yeah, I think Padonis threw one in one week, but he's been pretty quiet because that chat goes absolutely bonkers, as you can imagine, with Maddie and Barney in there all the time. I know, yeah. I know a lot of the time I sort of go quiet from Tuesday to Friday and then just let them do their thing. But, yeah, absolutely. Barney and Maddie are just fucking – they're geniuses at it. I was actually poking fun at them this morning that they're almost of one mind um, because a lot of the times they'll throw out the same person almost at the same time and collectively. So this season as a whole, we actually went 13 winners, six losers, and we're up over 22 and a half units on that one. It's been absolute fire, and it's actually been a lot of fun. I know last week was sort of up uh, – last year, rather, we're up and down with it, but this year it's – we wanted to run there for a while that it was just hitting and it was hitting so early. Like I think we cashed all three legs within the first half of the first quarter um, two weeks in a row. So it was pretty fun. That's unreal, man. I think people can remember the legendary mixed matchup year. We debuted that 2021. We went 70% for a season and average winning odds over $2.50. You're right in the same territory. I mean, you're winning, yeah, more than two out of three, uh, it, mm. which say 13 and six. So you're close yep. to 70% as well and average winning odds would be right around the same would be around it'd be pretty close average. we've we've had some monster ones in there i think our biggest one might have been around four dollars but majority of them sort of hover around yeah that two and a half bit over two and a half range and if people don't know how it works you pick three players it's for an anytime touchdown but you just need at least two of them to score any time for the bet to win and you will carry that on um through the playoffs as well so people can look yep. out for that it's under yep. the gridiron markets on top sport if you need a top of your account tripod is the code let's jump into um, some the people AFC have usually asked about this team. as well some people have yep. asked about it when it pops up like some weeks and you know now that we have the games that pop up on sunday here it's more than likely going to be saturday but i'll always post it now because i noticed some people are missing it so i'll always post it within the tripod forum so that way everyone knows it's up but before the games start it's going to be there i promise you that yeah, look out for that because, of course, there's games on Sunday now for the next couple of weeks in yeah. Australia. So we're going to go game by game, but I just want to talk about the teams, including a side that's not playing this weekend, but we're just going to go through the conferences and by seed. And I asked you to give me kind of biggest strength and biggest weakness for each of these sides. So Baltimore Ravens, feel free to contribute your own thoughts at home as well, guys, in the chat. We'll put them up on the screen. So for them, their biggest strength at the moment, is I think, is just the team as a whole. And I sort of noticed it. I think it was two weeks ago. Um, I was watching them play, and even just you see Lamar on the sideline, like everyone, all the receivers like Odell and Flowers are dapping themselves up, and the defense is hooting and hollering and stuff. But you see Lamar sitting on the sideline, and he's just he seems focused, and that just seems like a good core. And he's got that whole town eating out of his hand at the moment. He's not worried about his contract. He's playing full noise. But the weakness of that team, and that's something that I could touch on a little bit later here as well, is actually their run defense. And there's a lot of teams in the AFC, and if they were to come up against the 49ers in the Super Bowl again, I think that's actually a massive weakness, and that is something that a lot of teams could attack successfully. Yeah, it definitely feels like Lamar is going to be dialed in because it's like a Super Bowl is the one thing that's missing on his resume and really playoff success and playing in the Super Bowl. Got the MVP, probably going to get a second one. Amazing stats, the highlights, the contract, but he knows that his team has a great opportunity. And one of the big reasons is that 
that bye week, that number one seed, we saw it last year, the two number ones ended up meeting in the Super Bowl because this time of year, not only to get a rest in week one of the playoffs and not have to do battle this weekend, but Baltimore got to rest all the important players last week as well. So, you know, they're going to be fresh and it, it, there's so much attrition in this league. I will, I'll jump to weakness. I mean, I think the loss of Mark Andrews, although Lively's done so well, you likely, know, that's yeah. still a big loss. Likely, sorry? Isaiah Likely, likely yeah. yeah. Like, what am I thinking? Blake Lively. Um, and M- Mitchell, too, in the backfield. You know, that's a couple of your yeah. biggest weapons. Uh, yeah. But Lamar is such a weapon on his own. And it's a it's a physical defense. You're right that the numbers against the run might not be great. Although, of course, we saw what they did when they went into San Francisco on Christmas yeah. Day. So they're idle for now. But they're definitely the team to beat in the AFC. Moving to the Bills, I get your thoughts. But straight away, I've got to shout out Barney. Uh, he's probably watching right now, but if he's in the group, we won't see his name pop up on the screen. Uh, as Tom says, whispers Andrews could make it back. Do you know the, what the injury was? I thought he was out for the season. Uh, I, I think when it initially happened, there was like things that, yeah, he could make it back, but it would be possibly Super Bowl, if anything, at mm, extreme best. Yeah. But you like honestly, like that. yeah, Mark Andrews is awesome, but I think likely he's been playing great. And that bloke finds open space like no other, and he's very silky smooth. Now, moving to the Bills, guy is also silky smooth, Barney. Tipping, I know he's a bit, he's a bit biased, but tipping Buffalo at $41 no. about yeah. six weeks ago, uh, there was a really great discussion in the group around that tip. I mean, people will always bag you when you tip like a super long shot because it's easy to say, oh, that's got no chance, oh, they're terrible, you know, and most likely it doesn't win and you can say you were right. But we're all about finding value in the pod. People made the case. Well, $41 is not a great price because the Bills at the time were $450 to make the playoffs. And then you've got to figure that when they get there, they're going to be what, like $2.50 plus at mm. Miami. They're going to be $2.50 plus at Kansas City. They're going to be $2.50 plus at Baltimore. And they're obviously going to have to go through at least a couple of those uh, destinations to get to a Super Bowl. And then you're going to be $2 or more probably in a Super Bowl. So you add it all up, it made more sense to just roll your funds. But little did we know back then, they weren't just going to get to a wild card. They ended up getting a two seed and get the division. And what are they? Like a dollar twenty or under this weekend. And obviously, if they play Miami, they'll be hosting them, you know. And if they play Kansas City, they'll be hosting them and they'll be favorites again. So it's a crazy one where, although conventional wisdom was you very rarely get value in the futures and you're better off just kind of rolling your funds at the best available price. In this case, 41 was the best entry point on uh, Buffalo. So I have to give credit to Barney there. And I did want to just kind of do an anatomy of that pick because I think it was quite fascinating. And, and it's always a uh, discussion for punters about how to get the best value about a team that you like uh, in terms of when to buy and when to sell. And for everyone who's riding that, some have already cashed the 450, make the playoffs, uh, which they secured when the Jags lost. Imagine if, uh, imagine if, the Bills would do or die last week. I thought I thought they were done in that fourth quarter. Again, we can talk yeah. about that when they were down seven. But here they are, a two seat. Uh, how did they get there? What's the biggest strength for you? And even to sit before that, before it kicked off last week, how they could go from either the two seat or not making the playoffs at all is insane. I can't remember mm. ever seeing anything like that. But the strength of it, of that team, that offensive line's playing really well. They're actually really healthy. I know they've got key people out like White that are injured, etc. And of course, Josh Allen. Like last week was from against Miami. Probably one of the worst games I've seen him play in a long time. And as much as he is their strength, I think he very much could be their weakness as well. Like he is just a mash all the buttons player. It's like you're playing Madden and you just go, don't throw it, don't throw it, don't throw it, and you press it and you fucking throw it and then it gets intercepted. Like he will live and die that way and that's the curse that you have with Josh Allen because he will make amazing throws, he'll make amazing plays and it will be reckless. Sometimes it works. And they they are a team that could easily go all the way. Just simple as that. But at the same time, they could get bounced because of just silly errors. Like they, they should have handled Miami a lot more handedly than what they did last yeah. week. And if it wasn't for that punt return, kick return, whichever one it was, that game mm. was staying 14 all. Well they were down. No, they were down. That T D just no, that put them up. I thought that one put them up to 21-14, didn't it? Someone fact check us. I I'm just off my memory, that one leveled the game and then they got the ball back and drove and got in front. But maybe you're up. Let us know. Either way, it's a seven point yeah. game and you, you didn't you know you you shot yourself in the foot multiple times, as you said. 
Um, Allen, you know, threw it away a couple of times, got strip sacked. Then they, they, they were a yard short of the end zone in the first half. Didn't get any yeah. points because they didn't have another timeout. So you're right. They left so much on the board. Weakness for me, I think, of course, is the fact that they can be turnover prone. But I think that's so well known. I don't think you bet against Buffalo going, oh, I could get some turnovers here. That's factored in at this yeah. point. Uh, everyone understands the deal. I think the bigger weakness is the, the defensive injuries, the guys have lost along the way, that I'm not sure you can rely on them to stop somebody. Yes, they did actually hold really firm against Miami last week. But uh, – Douglas has been bad. unreal for them. Yes, what a fine and you do Buffalo, of course, the dynamic offense. And you've got a QB, like you said, but he can hurt you with legs and uh and his arm, of course. They can get you even though they didn't pick up the crucial short yardage. I feel like they are a good short yardage team because of that big body of uh, Josh Allen. They can score with anyone in any game, which is a question mark over the three seed, the Kansas City Chiefs. Can they score with anyone, Eddie? Um, yes, they can. Like, they're such a funny team that they've dropped off and everyone keeps talking about the yips and how they just keep dropping the ball and their receivers suck and they're inexperienced, whatever. But for a large part of the season there, they were winning different. They were winning through their defense and Pat was just still playing smart ball and they were running the ball really well. And then because they've had these drops, these embarrassing drops and these embarrassing losses, everyone's just throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. They're still a great team. They're still probably the best coach in the playoffs at the moment, and they've still got the best quarterback. They still have a really good defense. I think they're still very scary as well. They could pretty much be a sleeping giant. Their weakness, everyone knows it. We're talking about it, is the inexperience of these receivers, of these other players. They've got a young core, young nucleus there at the moment, and they can make mistakes. It's more than just drops. It's lining off offside. It's two people in motion, getting lined up in the wrong spot, things like that. That could be the downfall of them. But, again, it's still Andy Reid and it's still Pat Mahomes. Thanks to Ben and Marcio in the comments uh, correcting you, Nettie. I had it right. They were down 14-7 and they were receiving a punt inside their own 10, you know. So, like, to even get that stop, but then they're backed up. But suddenly, you you know, you you get seven and then it changed the game and then they finally got on track when they did have a positive drive and got up seven and even then still had to survive. Uh, that that final Miami drive where they got the intercept. Moving to the Chiefs, of course, yeah, receivers, the weakness. But it is upside too because if they can just have one good game, you know Mahomes is going to put the ball on the money. So if they can make a couple of plays, you feel like Kadarius Tony, a guy like him, or Rasheed Rice. Like Rasheed Rice has actually had a pretty good year. But even these other guys that are much maligned, like they can still make a play or two. And I, I will get we'll get to that game specifically, but I definitely can't write off Kansas City. And I do love the side that can get rest, even though they managed to win in LA. They rested everyone important for the most part. So they come in fresh. They still get to play at home. Like they didn't have a good year, but they still won the division by virtue of the rest of the teams being so so uncompetitive. Uh, and they've got that defense, coaching, and experience for sure. And uh, experience is something that the four seed Texans do not have. But what do you like about them? Stroud, man. I love the offense. I love how he just pedal to the metal the whole way. I do believe the weakness could, of course, be the inexperience of it. But we saw it last week, man. It was like a do-or-die game. And it didn't seem to phase him. Like, he wasn't airmailing too many things. Was it a perfectly crisp game for him? No. But the fact that he was still throwing off-platform, and these things were fucking laser beams. He's still down, obviously, Tank Dell, who is their number one guy. I think that's a massive loss for them. And I think them wanting to run the ball as much as what they are at the moment. They're not doing it successfully. Like, they were passing so well against the Colts all last game, and especially on early downs. But for whatever reason, they kept running and putting themselves in bad situations in third and longs. I'm a bit cautious about Slowick's play calling when they're going to, of course, come up against the Browns. So that makes me a little bit nervous. But CJ Stroud, like, he can't, he can't be expected to bail them out all of the time. You know, like, yes, they had the injuries... And they had Nico Collins who went off, but that was the Colts defense, which is fucking pitiful. They were up against the big boys. So I think it might show that they are a bit inexperienced and they don't have the same sort of weapons. And yes, I'm worried about the offensive play calling. I had the exact same word for their weakness. And the biggest strength I had is kind of fearlessness, that nothing to lose and a brashness. And they're just a bunch of winners and uh, they're going to give it a red hot crack. Move to the five seed, the Browns, who the Texans will host. I thought their biggest strength is best defense in the league. Do you agree that is the best unit in the NFL? Uh, who, are you put, who are you putting up there with them? Baltimore. Okay. I'd take 
I mean, that would be an awesome matchup. We're getting, not to jump out too much, but we're getting Stafford in Detroit this weekend. But next week, I think it's possible we could get Browns, Flacco at Baltimore. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh, in, in any case, you'd agree the strength of the Browns is the defense. Feel free to talk about that and, and where the weakness is on that side. I know everyone's getting excited because they just remember Joe Flacco getting hot for the Baltimore Ravens when he took them to the Super Bowl. And yes, it's been good that he's reeled off a couple of wins as well. But like, you have a look at who they played. They played the Rams, got their teeth kicked in. They beat the Jags, nothing. One by three against Chicago. They beat Houston without Stroud. They beat the Jets and they beat Cincinnati. No, they lost to Cincinnati last week. Like, I don't think we should be able to get too carried away. Yeah, it's it's, I, I it's not exactly point, the best run of things. Everyone's like, oh, they've gotten hot. But if you actually look win by win, did they exactly. actually feed anyone strong? Yeah, 100%. Exactly. And they're, they're not overly impressive wins. And I mean, a win's a win. Whatever. Good on them for it. And Joe's playing relatively well. But, and again, there was a pass that I put on my show that he split just about three defenders an inch either way. That thing is a pick six and it's gone back the other way. And it ended up going to Mario Cooper and up being touchdown. So I think... That could fall on their face. Again, the offensive line has been destroyed with injuries. Come up against the big boys in the playoffs. Offensive line injuries show out more than anything else. I'm really interested on your take for them, that matchup this weekend against the Texans, but people have got to wait for that. A couple more AFC teams for us to discuss. Miami, you fell all the way down to the six. We did already briefly touch on them. What do you call their biggest strength? And do you got any info on kind of where Jalen Waddle is at in regards to his availability? Yeah, there. I haven't seen anything. Like, obviously, there's still him and most out there. Injuries, they're on shorter rest than everyone else. Like, they played against the Bills in, like, a very clutch, nail-biting game. And then now they get to go across to Kansas City as a reward for that one. Kansas City are very well-rested at the moment. They're just walking to a buzzsaw here. But their weakness is, of course, the injuries at the moment, the fatigue at the moment. I feel like they're just running on empty. The plus... They have a very good head coach. They have a pretty good quarterback, and they have weapons galore if they can get onto the field. Fastest team. And they look great for the majority of the season. I love what McDaniels was doing. It was forcing defenses to cover the whole width of the field and then some down there. So that is the positive. Of course, the offensive firepower. And I know for a while we were playing their total points, first half total points over for a lot of weeks at the start of the season. And you were never out of it. Like, if you needed two touchdowns with two minutes left, you were still sweet. You were still in the hunt for that one. So that's their positive and, like I said, negative weakness fatigue. And that's why I mentioned Waddle because if you have him and Hill, like, they can tear up and then that offense can keep you in a game. Uh, but, of course, I had the same point there about the defense and I completely echo your thoughts on the, yeah, the fatigue and the, the petrol tank. But losing Phillips and Chubb on the D-line is brutal. <laughs> The Steelers have an injury on their D-line that would also um, sink them, and that's if you gave them any shot to begin with. That's, of course, the knee injury to TJ White, the final quarter of the final game, where the Steelers had to win, and it was anyone's game against Baltimore, playing kind of second stringers. But Steelers are very lucky that Baltimore was locked into the one and didn't trot out the starters at home, or else uh, Pittsburgh wouldn't be in the playoffs right now. They're here, and they do anything. Um, yeah, the positives to that team is Tomlin somehow managed to eke out wins despite negative point differentials and Pickens, man. Like, I, I was looking at him and I was talking to the guys the other day. Like, he has, I think it's maybe 20 or 30 yards less on the season than Jamar Chase, but it's like 30-something receptions more. Like, he's only got 60-something receptions and he's still well and truly well over 1,000 yards receiving. He's insane. He's a freak. Um, and he's and an like awesome if, run blocker too. Yeah. He really yeah. gets out of the box for everyone. When he feels like it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like for for them, I don't know, like for of all the teams that are in the playoffs, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The positive, it's the Steelers, and they just fucking they find a way. They're lunatics. The negative. I kind of put it there too. Yeah, they're gritty. They can they win. Up. Yeah. And sorry, other negative you got? Quarterback that, position? Same thing. They're the Steelers. They can go up against teams that they should beat, and they lose. It's just who they are. It's yeah. in their DNA. And they're playing at Buffalo, so we're going to touch on that yep. game. But um, obviously, Buffalo's just kind of carrying a lot of momentum in. Let's just switch straight across to the NFC and uh, keep the same style. 49ers, of course, won't play this weekend, but a chance to speak about their strengths. And have they got any weaknesses? Um, 
Yeah, Baltimore, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, the weakness for me, I would say, is still Brock Purdy. It's the weak link. And if you attack that weak link, I feel like things start to crumble. And, you know, we can talk about the Ravens 49ers matchup that happened previously. That game just got out of hand for them. Like, they're positive. They still have one of the best, if not the best, play calls in the whole NFL. And I think if he gets a second chop at Baltimore in the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be a completely different story. They're loaded across the park. This is the healthiest that they have been going into playoffs. Touch wood, still a couple more games to go. I don't want to see McCaffrey in there playing quarterback, but they are locked and loaded, man. This team, this is their opportunity. No real massive weaknesses. Yeah, and that's the scary thing because I, I was also thinking weakness and I said, well, Purdy, we haven't really seen him do it in the playoffs because trying yep. to think back to last year, I feel like they won one game pretty easily. I think it was Seattle uh, and then I can't remember. It was the, the – he ended up in that Eagles game and it wasn't for long of before he got Of course, he got, got injured then. in the Eagles yeah. game, so you can't judge him. I'm just trying to think they must have won two games leading up. One, they beat Seattle fairly comfortably. I can't recall, but I just feel like he hasn't kind of been in a high-stakes – playoff shoot off shootout but the thing is if we're going to say the QB might be the weakness of this team and as I said before he was a dollar 40 to win MVP in like week 15 so if the weakness of the team was arguably the MVP of the league you're going into this year you're like oh we don't know how good Purdy's going to be he's actually been bloody good this year so basically that just shows what a juggernaut this side is yeah agree and like Shanahan for a long time, like his bread and butter is what he does. He gets yak. He gets these explosive guys in space. So Purdy doesn't have to make these long throws. And when you have a look, man, Debo Samuel, IU, Kittle, CMC, like that is a star-studded lineup and some of the best at every single position compared to the rest of the league. So it's made easy for him with an awesome play caller. But, you know, like MVP, yes. Like he's playing better than I think what a lot of people perceive him to be playing. Um and then maybe just because he is Mr. Irrelevant, they're just like, nah, nah, he doesn't have the same talent. And he doesn't. He doesn't have the Pat Mahomes, the Lamar Jackson, all that sort of stuff. But he's got the star side lineup. That's not his fault. And he knows the timing and the anticipation to be perfect in the Shanahan system. And that gets him out of trouble week in, week out without trying too hard. Yeah, and I'm not saying he should have been MVP, but just that it was even in the discussion. Yeah. Uh, just speaks volumes. And, of course, like Baltimore, they get the rest. Didn't even have to play anyone in week 18. And they get, uh, obviously, the bye this week, home field throughout the playoffs. So it's really theirs to lose as someone from our group coaches. If he doesn't win this year, he never will. I mean, it's as good a shot as you ever can really ask for. And you talked about the weapons they've got in the scheme. So, of course, they are the team to beat in the NFC. The biggest challenger is probably the two-seed Dallas Cowboys. Strength and weakness, Nettie. Um, strength. Dak's playing good. They have the offensive weapons. They have the people on defense. Um, weakness is just McCarthy. I don't buy into it. He showed his colors again. This is what chased him out of Green Bay. He did it against Detroit the other week, where Detroit are known to have a very good run defense, and yet he ran on early downs just about the whole game. Whenever he passed, far more successful. And then when it came down to crunch time, when all he had to do was run, he decided to pass. Pretty much cost them the game. Then there was the Eric Decker... Um, eligible receiver thing and all that happened and all sort of got swept under the rug. He does this every year. And if he comes up against a good coach with a good team, if he chooses to run again, tries to get cute with Pollard, who hasn't had any success all season long, I I love him, man. Like, I, I think Dallas have great studs, but I think McCarthy's going to let him down. And then we just blame Dak Prescott. And speaking of those studs, I mean, C.D. Lamb, people might not realize, like, he's one of the true superstars of the league yep. at this point. So that connection, Dak and C.D., that's scary. That can get you, you know, get you a score whenever you might need it. So you've always got a chance when you've got uh, such an electric offense. I don't know how tough they are. I think you're right. Like Detroit got screwed. We'll talk about Detroit in a second. That's probably flipped home field if we do get two versus three, which is the likely matchup in the divisional round. Uh, but in any case, we just talked about San Fran. I say Dallas's weakness is also ability to win away from home, particularly outdoors. I guess yeah. San Fran is the only place that, that where that could be that could occur, but it is fairly likely. Uh, you could probably say the same about the number three seed Detroit Lions. They got similarities to Dallas as well, but uh, maybe not exactly the same strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, their weaknesses, their defense at the moment, especially in the passing game. And when you have a look across the whole NFC, a lot of these teams they can pass and they can attack and. 
even towards the lower ranks. We saw it on Thanksgiving, like um, the Green Bay Packers, who aren't the most aggressive, but they have a very good offensive line. If you're not getting pressure, you're going to get picked to pieces, and it's evident every single time. Like I, We love the Lions. I love how aggressive they are. Dan Campbell gets them going. I love Gibbs and Amon Ra and Laporta, who is now injured, and Jared Goff's playing awesome this season as well. But it's just that defense, especially the pass defense. Every other team in the NFC can light you up. It's going to be very tough for them, I believe. Yeah, I love the personnel of Detroit, particularly offense. Uh, system yeah. works so well under Ben Johnson, but the Laporta injury is a big one. So, again, you've yeah. got to monitor that. And just having to probably win twice on the road because of that uh, failed two-point conversion or the failed call. The four seed – oh, sorry, my cursor is evading me there. The, the four seed is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Probably hmm. a lot of people didn't see that coming halfway through the year. But nevertheless, they get to host a playoff game. What do you like and dislike about Tampa Bay? Not much at all, to be honest. But they're like again, if you compared, if you put them up against Detroit, Godwin's Evans, those guys would have success against them. That'd be a scary matchup. What do I like? Um, as much as Baker Mayfield's annoyed the hell out of me over the years, like he's the same thing. He's gritty. I, I got nothing, man. The NFC's none of the NFC South teams should really be in the playoffs whatsoever. But unfortunately, <laughs> the way that the rules are set up, one of them had to get in. Um, yeah, I got nothing on them. I got nothing, truly. And we'll talk about that matchup a little further. So you have to come up with a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, there's experience too because they won the Super Bowl two years ago, two what two and a half, oh, three years ago, I should three. say, 2021. It was yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're a pretty consistent team. But I feel like there's a ceiling. There is a real ceiling on the offense and the defense, and they're not as elite as other counterparts, but it depends how you see that matchup in week one, which we'll get to. They play the Philly Eagles who are limping into the playoffs. Uh, still got any strengths? Uh, it's just, it's still, it's just so hard for me to rule them out. Like I know injuries at the moment is killing them. Um, and then we saw AJ Brown go down the other day as well, which is brutal, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, it is it is so hard. Like, I would, if anything, and we'll talk about this later, I would want to back them more this week just because everyone just thinks they're just completely anemic. But there's still a lot of studs on there. And it's sort of a bit funny because after they lost to the 49ers, Nick Bosa came out and said, we've, we've shown everyone the recipe to beat the Eagles. They've only won one game since then. So clearly they did show the recipe. But... Weaknesses, I think mentally, I think they're really scared about what's happening. You have a lot of aging players who will give it their all, like the Kelseys and all that sort of stuff. But I just, they're still star-studded, man. Like it's still in them somewhere and they still have that Philly oomph, you know what I mean? Like if they get going and if they get hot and they turn it around and all they need is just, I think, a little bit of confidence in themselves because right now they're just reeling left, right and center. Yeah, sometimes you see a team kind of fall apart before the playoffs and then they exit unceremoniously and you kind of think, geez, that was an easy bet. Like that team was was shot for the last two months. Why didn't we bet them? But I also just can't bring myself to get out in front of Philly because I look at it, still a really good offensive line, which means they can run it. They're only playing from first and nine or first and eight and a half every set yeah. of downs. You've got a QB that is going to elevate you in the playoffs because he will be willing to run it a bit more and be a bit more physical, you know, in high leverage situations than he would be in a regular season where we know Hertz had a little bit of the knee, the ribs. Now he's got the finger. Like finger. he's obviously just kind of um, limit damage through the season. But you get to this time of year, you're going to lay it all out there. And I would have said that wide receiver tandem, I love it. You know, that's as strong as any in the league. But you got injury cloud over Smith as well as AJ Brown, the the defense, which we came into this year saying they're stacked. What are they all? Half of them are ex-Georgia players and they got yeah. Jalen Carter still in the draft and it was all great, but the, the production has really fallen off and on top of those injuries. So that's the weakness that I see. And if you're making going. if you're making a panic move for Matt Patricia as well, like you don't if you think like a defensive coordinator comes in, he's going to implement his own scheme, his own ideas, own personnel, all that sort of stuff. You do not do that in the middle of the season unless there's someone sort of waiting in the wings that, okay, we've sacked you, you're horrible, step up. Don't bring someone from outside. That just stunk of a panic move that a team makes in an off season, not middle of the season and slowly push this guy to the side. Like that is terrifying that they did that and that is not a Howie Roseman move at all, which is I think is bizarre for them. Um, and Matt Patricia has not been a good offense or defensive coach for a good couple of years now. 
But this is the other thing. They started 10-1, and so none of us questioned or remembered that they lost their offensive and defensive coordinator from the year before. So you would expect that that's going to hurt a team. Uh, as the Eagles have fallen, they still finished higher in the standards than the LA Rams, but going a much uh, higher trajectory is LA. Do you like this team? They've got a chance. I mean, they're only a field goal underdog in uh, in wildcard weekend. I do. I do really like this team. And I, this one stands out to me, and this is Barney's gold as well. Like, I remember I think we talked on the preseason one. Um, he was talking about how the LA Rams, how their season win total was way too low. And 100% right. Soon as Stafford comes in, you remember that he is still one of the best quarterbacks, still one of the best arms in the NFL. Puka Nakua's come through. Kyron Williams, those guys are absolutely flying. I think they're going to give hell to anyone that they come up against offensively, of course. Defensively, I think there's still a fair few questions there. McVay's got the experience. Some of these guys have the experience. They're going to go balls to the wall as well. So I do really like them. Yeah, they might not be too deep. I put that as a weakness. But I think when they got these four on the field together, Stafford, Kyron Williams, Cup, and Nakua, that became like a top three, definitely undebatable top five offense in the whole league. Um, And they all seem to be healthy at the right time. So, again, when you can score and you're playing in a dome this week, you get the upset. Um, you could get a divisional game against San Fran. They did meet a week ago, but that that was meaningless. But uh, you could get. You, I think that's the most likely. Well, the is that right? If the yeah, if the Rams get an upset, they would be going to San Francisco. Just so people understand, it is reseeded, so it's not the draws not set. The lowest ranked winning team faces the one seed that is idle this week. So I'm kind of dismissing the next side, the Packers. I can't see them. Uh, winning in Dallas, not that it's impossible, um, but I don't see a lot of strength for Green Bay. Do you? Um, I kind of do because I still like their offensive line. I think Jordan Love is playing relatively well. Like, is he going to hold up against the Dallas juggernaut? I don't know. Like, I, I think I think they've done extremely well to make it to the playoffs. Like, they're a rebuilding franchise, but they don't seem to rebuild. They just reload. And the fact that it's Jordan Love's first proper year here and all that sort of stuff, and he's coming and taking him there, I think... That's something to hang your hat on and be very proud of, but that's just what fucking Green Bay do. Outside of that, nah, not really. For me, they're a bit like Tampa. They don't really have any elite units, uh, but when you've yep. got a mobile QB and he's developing with his wide receivers, yeah, exactly. Um, they don't have a great amount of experience. Uh, look, I, for what it's worth when I stand back, I feel more confident that Baltimore gets out of the AFC than I do San Fran winning the NFC, which is contrary to the odds. But I just, I don't know, just me, I feel like Detroit or Dallas has a shot against San Fran. And I think it's just because those are teams that if everything goes right on the day and they play aggressive and look, you've got to go for a fourth down here or there, whatever. But on the right day, Detroit or Dallas can score 31 points, I feel like. Uh, Could Philly beat San Fran in San Fran? Like they played there already this year. No, actually San Fran went into Philly and then smashed them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would be a tall task for Philly to reverse that and reverse the championship game from last year. But, again, we're just not quite ready to ride off Philly. So, I mean, who do you think is the biggest threat to San Fran getting, um, you know, getting Shanahan back to the Super Bowl? In the NFC? Um, mm. Well, I would say possibly, yeah, I'd say it had to be Dallas then. It had to be Dallas. Yeah, like and- I'd, again, I, I I love Detroit. I love Detroit, but they're just their problems on the back end can get picked apart by anyone. And, and it was the just the bad coaching of Dallas. Let's yeah, it was I just feel the like bad Dallas coaching. And Detroit don't play well no. outdoors, and that's exactly where you've got to beat San Fran, unless someone else upset them the week before. But that would yeah. be highly unlikely. We're going to go matchup by matchup, but um, being conscious of time, we're going to do it rapid fire. So you don't have to give me too much, but if you've got a lean or a like on these games and just like a factor that stands out to you about the matchup, let's go swiftly and let's begin with Browns minus two and a half at Texans. Um, probably tease Texans up more than anything. I think there's going to be a few more points in this game as well. I think the total's 44-ish. I think last time I saw. So I think there's going to be a few points in this, but yeah, for me, I would lean more towards Texans personally. I lean Browns because I think the defense can travel. Dolphins at Chiefs, Chiefs minus four. Chiefs. Chiefs. Haven't played and it, haven't put it out, it. but Chiefs. Dolphins, yeah. Dolphins running out of steam and could get steamrolled in this one. I agree. I could only play Kansas City, who are off, remember, off the rest in week 18 
then so those were the, that's the double header Sunday Aussie time. Then we move to Monday morning in Australia. The early game is Steelers at Bills. Buffalo minus ten. Um, I would possibly lean more towards Steelers because this is meant to be a really, really horrible weather game. Like I dropped this one at 39 and a half. I think it's plummeted down to around 34 and it can possibly go lower. It's meant to be massive winds, rain, snow, just an absolute disaster. There's not going to be many points. Um, so if the Steelers get anything at all, they'll probably cover the spread. That's a yeah. good good point to note uh, because you I couldn't see the Bills losing this. But if it's horrendous weather, you know, you think back to that game where New England came in and beat them in a game where they only threw it three times. You know, extreme weather, depth, depth, anything that makes the game uglier definitely suits the Steelers. So I know people will be building multis and I like quite a lot of the favourites this week. Um, but, yeah, you've got to be wary, especially if you want to lay the biggest spread of the week. Uh, second biggest spread is the Dallas Cowboys minus seven and a half against the Packers. It sounds like you might lean to the underdog in that one too. Um, not overly. Like I, I think the Packers, they can just play that sort of brand of football, but Cowboys at home, I would still lean that. It's just seven and a half is probably a little bit too rich for me. Yeah, That's Cowboys probably another perfect teaser leg as well. Yes, sure. So I do think the Cowboys are a pretty safe uh, head-to-head if you're throwing in multis. Sunday night football, so Monday kind of midday in Australia, is Stafford at Detroit. So this is fascinating. And the Lions are three-point favourites to the Rams. I love this, man. I love the NFL's, like, script writers that they've brought Tyreek Hill back to Kansas City. They've brought, of course, Stafford back to Detroit. Goff against the Rams. It's great. I love it. Um, I This game's going to be fucking phenomenal. I would not be surprised if the Rams got up here, but... I've been liking the Lions majority of the season. Again, haven't played anything on this one. I will probably, at three and a half, I'd probably lean Rams. But at the moment, probably lean a little bit more towards Lions. Yeah, this one's a really tough one. I'm kind of split on this as well because I like the Lions players. And I think some of the Lions players are a little more unheralded. People know the Rams players because they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But... The Rams, I feel like the Rams can win this with coaching too. Like McVay, if anyone knows Goff, it's McVay. So he can really get in his bag and um, and maybe pull the upset here. So do I favor kind of coaching versus just personnel? personnel? That's the yeah. that's the battle here. Can't wait for that one. I've got a field goal spread in the final game, which is a Monday night football. So Tuesday in Australia okay. and the Eagles, despite the fact that they've, Limped into the playoffs. They are still a road favourite here. But who who would you play if you had to? That's insane, actually, that it's three on the road. Um, I still, again, I just haven't given up on Philly. I think they just find a way to eke this one out. Baker Mayfield was limping around a bit. And let's not forget, like, they they should they were playing hard last week against Carolina, right? Like, they were trying to secure the NFC South. They should have lost that game. Like, Panthers had two touchdowns called back, and we had a missed field goal. And there was nine points scored by the Bucks. All right, so the Eagles' defense can at least stand up a little bit. I do believe they make it hard for Tampa. Yeah, I'd, I'd play Philly. Thought they would have enough, and uh, they've been a bit embarrassed. But I feel like within the locker room, they still know they could have a bit more to give. And you look at like last week; a lot of people will say that's the nail in the coffin. But they virtually had nothing to gain when, when you figured that Dallas was going to beat the Commanders. It was a no-win situation for Philly. So although they played the starters, and I've heard people say, oh, they were trying to win. You don't know the mentality, though. You don't know if they were just kind of going through the motions. So I won't write Philadelphia off. I lean to the favourite there as well. Have you had a look at any of the special playoff markets? I've got a uh, bonus tip come in to me from The Undertaker, but you can lead us off if there's any of those specials. I'm talking about, you know, highest-scoring team. There's uh, several player props for different the different statistics leaders throughout the whole playoff campaign. Uh, I'll get your Super Bowl pick in a minute, but any other special markets you like to look off? Well, I had a look only because you told me that you were going to talk about this, and you can actually grab yeah. CMP, which will become a lot shorter as MVP around $11. All right, I found that one. And I've sort of touched on this one Super a fair MVP, bit. Yep. yep, so you can get this one yep. now because I just imagine this is going to become a lot shorter if they go on and make it all the way there, right? And if we imagine that they're going to get matched up against the Ravens, I've spoke about this plenty of times. So in that first matchup, right, the 49ers should have ran more. So what the Ravens actually do is they play with a light box, the second most of any team in the NFL, 
right? And therefore, playing a light box, which is not as many linebackers in there, you give up a lot of runs. And what San Francisco did is they actually passed a hell of a lot on that one. I think they're only getting 6.6 yards per attempt, whereas when they were running, they were getting 9.9 yards per carry. And the problem with Baltimore is when they try and resolve this issue and when they actually try and stack the box, they're actually the worst team in the NFL against the pass with a loaded box. So what San Francisco should have done is run heavy, bring the guys down, and that's when you pass. And I believe Shanahan's smart enough to know that, which means you'll get some CMC early runs, possibly early touchdowns if they match up again. That's the one I like. Yeah, I was looking at my phone then because I was just trying to make sure I got the number right. Brock Birdie's the favorite on top of it, you know? And I agree with you. I feel like San Fran, the thing about betting uh, Super Bowl MVP, you know, you don't even know if your team's going to get there, but that's why you get better odds than you, of course, would on the day. But... Sam Fran's favourites for the Super Bowl, I understand that. But you're right, I feel like CMC is more so established. He's going to finish higher in MVP voting than Purdy. And it depends how it goes on the day um, because if it's a bunch of passing yards and CMC is slightly hmm. contained. But you made the case there. Uh, I agree with you that McCaffrey, I'd much rather have it twice the odds than Purdy if I was playing that market. So I like that. The Undertaker sent in a pick too, and I'm just going to read out the crux of it. He's also gone McCaffrey. He's playing him to lead all players in rushing yards. He, of course, led the league in rushing yards this season. Three bucks on 365, and his logic is they're the most likely team to play three games. Mind you, you can play three without making the Super Bowl if you're a team playing wildcard weekend. But, um, I mean, San Fran's going to be favorite every game they play. So playing games and winning them, winning them well leads to rushing yards. And when you look at the second team in favoritism is, is the Ravens. That's a committee backfield and, and Lamar takes some of those rushing yards. So there's a pretty strong logic there. Now, let me put you on the spot. If you can have a $3 odds, would you rather just play San Fran wins the Super Bowl or would you rather play McCaffrey leads all players in rushing yards, knowing that you could win that even without San Fran winning the Super Bowl? But you could also get a case where that's the 49ers win the Super Bowl but somebody else leads in yards. Do you like one play more than the other? Um, I would probably go the Super Bowl one personally. Sorry, Matty. But it's only because yeah. like the defenses that the Niners would have to face to go forward. So let's say that Detroit started to win. They started to climb. They're a really good run defense. Dallas, really good run defense. So I think he'd have some stiff opposition in there getting to the point, which would be the Super Bowl. But I still like it. I understand it completely. And like I said, I think he can run rampant on this Ravens defense if the Ravens yeah, make and- it. It's, it's very, like, it's hard to knock it, you know. You know how good yeah. he's been this year. Uh, but looking in that market, it got me thinking, who else could I take? You know, Pollard, $9. That, you know, and you got, if Dallas, you know, they're big favourites this week, then they'd be favourites against Detroit. Of course, if you get the upset and you get into the Super Bowl, then you're playing four games. So Pollard, 9 bucks, Or Pacheco, $21, sort of similar logic for KC. Since we're getting enough carries... But you'd have to be back in the KC would upset, let's say, Buffalo next week and maybe have to upset Baltimore. But what I'm getting at is $21 for Pacheco. The Chiefs are a lot shorter than that to kind of win the Super Bowl. But if they did, you'd feel he he would get his fair share of yardage. I don't mind that one, actually, because that's pretty smart. Because, again, you're coming up against, again, they could come up against the Ravens, who are weak against the run. You're probably going to get more weather, depending on the geographical thing of the AFC teams in Kansas City. So they're going to be outside. They're possibly going to be running more. That's not a bad one. I'm glad you like that. Yeah, $21 too. That's um, a yeah. fair bet that you could have a flyer on. I mentioned Pollard. The case against him would just be that Dallas favors passing it. So, of course, that's and he's why not Dak running that well. Favorite. Yeah, so that's why Dak is the favorite to lead all players in passing yards. If I had a Smokey in that market... I'd go Goff at $13 just because they're playing LA in a dome this week. You play Dallas in a dome and under that pretense you've got to beat Dallas and you know that could be a shootout. And then if you upset San Fran, you're going to have to throw for a bunch of yards. And even if you lose, you could play from behind and get some yards. And I feel like the players can win these markets uh, playing three. But of course, especially if you get to play four and the fourth game is in LA, which is indoor as well. Um, got anyone in passing yards that you'd have your eye on? No, mate. No, I didn't look at that one. No. Sorry. What about receiving? Uh, nope. The one I did look at. Actually, no, I lied to you. Yeah, I have most passing yards actually went Mahomes, which can't contradicts okay. the Pacheco rushing one. Um, eleven dollars. Yeah. I saw that one out. Yeah, but similar, but same concept that like the Chiefs are eleven bucks to win the Super Bowl, but if they are going to win it, they're going to win four straight games, and you know Mahomes is going to have to put the team on his back. So 
it, the, the interesting debate is which is the better bet. Like you could, Mahomes could leave if they get to a Super Bowl, he could have the most passing yards. Um, but yep. you'd hate to back Mahomes most yards and they actually win it, but it's with balanced attack and somebody else has more. So it's a toss up. Maybe you play a little on both sides. Receiving just to cover all bases. I like Amon Ra St. Brown for similar reasons that I like golf as a as a smoky. Of course, CD Lamb is a big favorite there, but St. Brown is a stud too. As I just said, Lions, they're going to need to put up some serious production if they're going to make a run. Uh, And I I give them a shot. Okay, you're going to like my uh, custom play too because I've just gone the exacta. Let me put you on the spot. I I think we both got the same Super Bowl and it is chalky. Um, But tell us your Super Bowl and who you're picking to win it. Um, I do think it's going to be Ravens Niners again. And I actually think the Niners upset them here. Okay, well, that's not exactly my tip. Uh, I didn't know who you're going to pick in the Super Bowl, but I, I had an inkling you go Ravens Niners. My exacta, I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to go Ravens over Niners, right? But obviously you can see that uh, that's a realistic possibility. And for anyone watching live, and for if you catch this tonight, Wednesday night, uh, and if you do catch this on Thursday, jump on Toppy and have a look because they haven't promised they can keep it up for much longer after tonight because it could get smashed. But tripod exacta under NFL markets, you're going to find Ravens to beat the Niners, and that's at $10 odds. A max, you can have a 50 on that. But 50 to win 500, they are both close to kind of 50-50 shots to make the Super Bowl. We've explained why they're going to be short favourites. I think touchdown or more each game they do play at home and they've only got to win two in a row each to meet the Super Bowl. And then I think it's close to a 50-50. Like I'm not going to say because the Ravens handled the Niners on Christmas in San Fran, it means that the Ravens are going to win. I'm not saying that, but I just think given that we've seen that, the Niners aren't going to be much of a favourite over Baltimore, if at all. Uh, I know the Niners are a bigger favourite in the overall futures right now, but that's more so because they are a shorter favourite to win their conference than Baltimore. I think if these two meet, it's basically a 50-50. So the way I look at it is like Baltimore's 220 to get out of the AFC and then they're not going to be any higher than kind of 220 in a Super Bowl uh, since the Niners. So I definitely... Uh, and sorry, then then you got to add in like a dollar eighty for the Niners to make the Super Bowl. It still gets you under a one in ten shot for me. So that's why I like that one. Would you still play that? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's a good value. And of course, if you get if you get a Niners Ravens Super Bowl, you're set. You know what I mean? If you if you've got your fifty bucks on that, then you're sitting with ten bucks on one team. You're still going to get like a dollar eighty plus on the Niners. And it's not that easy for me to sit here a month before the Super Bowl and say exactly what odds or what line a game will be because, of course, form changes, injuries change, but roughly speaking, uh, that's what I predict. Uh, And we'll probably hook up again, Nettie, and and discuss the Super Bowl in depth and uh, come up with some plays in about a month's time. Uh, You've given us your prediction. Uh, I'd love to hear. Tom's happy that I've gone the Ravens. I'd love to hear other people's predictions in the comments. That's pretty much all I had for us. I said before I didn't want to dampen your mood going in, but let's just spend a couple of minutes and talk about other stuff going around, going on around the league. Like, what's doing at the Panthers? Tough year. Um, you know, you've given up the farm for a number one pick that hasn't gone that well. The coach is obviously one of the quickest firings in history. I'd like to know who you want next and what do they do next? I don't know. I know they're really sniffing around the Lions offensive coordinator, the Ben Johnson. Um, they did also go to Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Texans. And as we know, the Texans were the ones that actually wanted Bryce Young as well. So he might be intrigued to come around. But I have actually heard that there is some rumblings, being Tepper, he is the richest owner in the NFL, that he will just empty the bag and get Bill Belichick down. No marking around, just wants the big guy down straight out. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I love Bill Belichick. That's outstanding. But I don't know. I really struggle with having defensive-minded head coaches with offensive um, young rookies. I think there was a lot of people in the ears of Bryce Young. I think he just struggled. Our offense was pathetic. Our owner was pathetic. He's poking it in too much. Like, he just involves – sorry, I'm going on around here. He just involves himself too much. You could tell that Frank Reich didn't want Bryce Young, and I said this because CJ Stroud is Frank Reich's type of guy. And I think as soon as the owner intervened and said, no, you're getting Bryce Young, then all of a sudden – Everything just fucking fell down. We got this guy that we don't want. We can't handle him. Yada, yada, yada. And I think Bryce Young's a good player, good enough player. But I've said this over and over again. If you're picking 1-1, one, one, 
you need elite traits. Elite accuracy is what Stroud had. You got Anthony Richardson, who broke everything coming through the combine. And we decided to pick Bryce Young, who was the smallest quarterback in history, the lightest quarterback in history. And then when he goes to the NFL combine, when all these guys were airing it out and throwing and showing off, he didn't even compete. Didn't compete. Didn't throw a single pass. Just stood there on the sideline. And we picked him. Done. <laughs> and don't apologize. I knew this would rile you up, but I thought people would uh, want to hear the truth, and the raw truth. Uh, and look, it's tough times, but uh, yeah. It's all My wife of- says to me, I'm not even kidding. Every Monday, she says to me, she's like, how did the Panthers go? I'm like, they lost. They lost. And she's like, when are you going to support someone else? And I was just like, when they score a touchdown. And the last and- two weeks, they haven't scored one. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, it's rough. And, um, and, you know, they lose every week and your wife says, well, at least they're going to get a, a high draft pick next year, right? But uh, yep. that <laughs> for someone else, a disaster because it goes to the Chicago Bears. So I want to know because I think yeah. that's a massive offseason topic. What would you do if you were the Bears, who of course own Carolina's pick? I I loved Fields in in my pre-draft thing. He was my number one quarterback for it. But the smartest thing for them to do is to take Caleb Williams. They have a. They know that they have a very good team there, and now you reset that salary cap thing. You get a cheap quarterback, rookie deal. That's what you do, man. They've got a hell of a lot of money as well. Chicago. They've proven they can win. I would still sack that coach. He's gone. Everflus. See you later. Really? I'd be Even aggressive. Season pretty hot. Hundred percent. That's a, if I was the owner, I would just go and get someone else, bring someone else in, offensive-minded guys. I used to be of the mind that you go and get a defensive, a good defensive coach because that's zigging while everyone else is zagging. But the more I think about it now and the more I see it, you get a good defensive coach and he holds that team together, right? You then have an offensive coordinator and he might be really good and he gets that offense humming. That offensive coordinator is gone. He's poached straight away. Whereas if you had at least have a good offensive coordinator who comes in as a head coach and he calls the plays, he can at least stay there. You know what I mean? The defensive guys aren't headhunted as much. You can find other guys around the league, but the offensive coordinators, the good ones, they're not as easy to find. That Ever would be such gone. a desirable uh, destination for a coach to land. You know, the likes of a Ben Johnson because – that team was basically a playoff caliber team this year once they got it together. You've yep. got all the draft capital coming in. You've got, you've got DJ Moore off, uh, off the Panthers as well. You can have a couple of first-round picks. And if they go that route and they go Caleb Williams, which resets the clock because, as you say, four years, fifth-year option for a rookie yep. QB, Fields played so well in the shop window that you're going to get a decent return for trading Fields as well. So you're going to stack your roster even more. Yep. Uh but the city loves fields. I could also see him going the other way, keep him, trade the number one trade. for a King's ransom again, get even yeah. more capital because you're going to get um, – and, and as we've seen literally in evidence by what happened to your side, sorry to bring it up again, as good as everyone thinks Caleb Williams may be, you don't know. You just don't yeah. know all the time with these draft picks. So you give somebody else who gives up everything because everybody wants that dream of a franchise QB – and it could go the other way or a player could get injured and suddenly yeah. you got even more coming back your way as well. So, uh, the And they're Bears picking number nine as well. Position. They've got picks right. at number one and number nine. So if they right. trade that number one for Caleb Williams or Drake May, depending on whoever everyone wants, they're going to get mm. a massive haul for this. And then Absolutely. you're just picking at nine. And there's that many good wide receivers there, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. And in all likelihood, somebody in the top 10 is going to be trading for that pick from you and they're going to give you theirs. So whoever it is, if it's if it's Atlanta, it's Washington, you know, someone who's desperate is a New England, yeah. whatever, then you're, you're still top five pick anyway. And for downgrading a few spots, you're probably getting their first next year and, and plus much more. So uh, powerful yeah. position the Bears have got themselves into. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating to watch that unfold. But, like, I love all the off-season stuff, but, of course, it all happens on the field. So can't wait for the playoffs to begin. Thanks for taking the time, mate, and joining me. Easy, uh, I think we might have cut out on Instagram. I don't know if anyone would have jumped across and found us elsewhere. So apparently there's an hour limit. I thought we'd go a solid hour and we've gone beyond. But that's because we had to get these bonus topics in. So, Nettie, given Sunday, let the people know, are you still doing, like, a wild card show Sunday, Defin- people know definitely. Like sometimes games. around this time of year, sometimes I contemplate doing it on the Saturday just so I can get it out of the mm-hmm. way. But it's just easy to do the Sunday, so they yeah, will be shorter shows. And then, yeah, still they will be shorter shows because obviously we're 
yeah, we're missing the two games and stuff like that, but it will continue to be Sunday. I will post about two out of three and bad, and we're not done. We've done really good this year, and we are not done. I promise you that. Well, thanks, everyone that joined us. Thanks to you. I'll see you, I reckon, in about a month. We'll, we'll meet up again uh, to preview the big dance. You heard you got Nitty Given Sunday, typically every Sunday Arvo, and that's live on uh, Tripod Facebook page. I also just recorded a chat with Nicole from Wiki that's on the Wiki channel. Uh, we talked about the Sunday games Australia time in terms of some specific player prop bets. So go and check that one out if you want even more from me. Thanks, guys. Uh, don't forget the Tripod special pick that is available on Toppy right now. Have a great week. Enjoy the playoffs. Hunt responsibly, as always. And Lego.